Welcome, everyone, to another week with your hosts, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen, where we look forward to creating awareness in the mental health field. The number to call up and to ask your question is 718-683-5858-683-5858. And it is that important that we look forward to taking your questions, your comments, <coughs> really looking forward, Merit Hashem, to having a fantastic program. So again, the number to call up is 718-683-5858-718-683-58. And I guess I would like to just start with her. As he was just telling me that uh, at a certain event, there is a simcha to someone from the J-Root Radio family over here. And he got married last night. Rav Nissen was very involved in the process so of Simchas Baruch Hashem. I'd yeah. like to start with an interesting, uh, just little question comment that was going on that I had today. And in the daily questions and answers in my section, of the, it's the free full line. We've got the recordings of this program and other programs. But uh, there was a question that someone asked me, why is it that in the past when they would have a bump, when they would have a difficulty, they would get upset at Hashem, let's say, and now that they've sort of gone through therapy, they're a lot calmer. And when they go through a bump, they're not blaming Hashem. How could therapy do that? So just a short version, just that so we want to clarify. And it's a simple, simple concept. And the concept is that when we're in pain and we know we are maminu b'nei maminu, that the rabbi can do anything, Hashem could help us and save us. So if we're in pain, of course we want him to help us. And then we can get hurt. Why isn't he helping us? And the concept, that the muscle to explain it is, imagine we have to go from one room to the next. In order to go from one room to the next, you've got to turn the door handle. But if you turn the door handle, it's very hot. So every time we touch the door handle, we get upset, we get hurt. And we're now disappointed, what's happening? Why is this happening that I'm touching the door, and I need to go to the next room, and my hand is burning, and Hashem is standing right next to me, why isn't he saving me? And it makes sense if you look at it that way. But what would happen if, as we see in the Sfarim, they bring down the shot is very different. That Hashem is over there telling us we've got to learn how to open up the door. We have to learn how to go through and to figure out, which means maybe 1 o'clock at night is when the door handle cools down. Maybe we've got to learn to take some tissues or, or a towel. Maybe we've got to learn to develop some callus that the skin can get a little thicker so we don't get so hurt or burned when it gets hot. There can be many solutions. So when people, unfortunately, come from difficult backgrounds where they're missing, where they weren't taught some of the basic feedback, some of the basic information on how to survive through life, the logic information or the spara or, or the emotional information. So now when they're trying to go from one room to the next, the door is so hot that they feel that they're getting burnt. And they're upset, crying to Hashem, please help me, because of course Hashem could help us. But the Hashem wants us to learn the lessons in life so we can go further and we can grow. And I just gave it the morning. It was just a daily question and answer. And it was beautiful to get so many nice positive feedbacks, people just thanking, saying, it gives us a nice awareness that, A, if someone's upset at Hashem or feels upset, it's a level of Amun and that we're living with Hashem. And then, B, what's happening is we got to learn within ourselves that not to Hashem get upset at Hashem, to realize it's our growth. And we need to stop thinking, what can we learn? What do we need to learn from this? And to reach out to the Rabbanim and to discuss it. And when we're in the better modes, the better stages, to learn the Svarim, 
that we can feel that when we go through trials and when we go through difficulties, when we go through the bumps in life, that our response should not be, why is Hashem doing this, but rather acceptance Hashem is doing this for a lesson, and also start thinking, what can we do to grow, and how can that change? So I really want to thank everyone for the questions, for the comments that we're getting. And again, the number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, Arav Nissen, who do we have on the line? Um, we have Mrs. S. on the line. Hello? Hello? Yes. Um, I have a little problem. My son, he loves playing with fire. Well, no let me just how many ask the question. Is your son stop. over the age of eight years old? Yeah, he's 13. Uh-huh. Is yeah. this very buckerish or... Well, let's clarify. What does that mean he plays with fire? Why do you think he's doing that? Did you speak to him? What happens when you discussed it with him? Nothing. He'll ignore me. Well, let's try this out. Imagine I'm the parent and I'd be asking you, what's going on that you're playing with fire? What would the response be? Maybe he likes the... the like. The no, you're the son. I want you to print this if you're the son. So I'm going to ask you, Chaim, what's going on that you're playing with fire? Don't you know it's dangerous? No, I'm watching. Okay. So do you know that fire is dangerous to play with and we're not meant to play with fire? But I'm watching. Like there are other games out there. Fire is not one of the games that we do. I don't know. He loves to play with it. He'll do anything to take my challah and burn it. Uh Uh-huh. Then do you know something? I don't. No, you see, these are questions I need to now ask you family background. What do you have? How many of your kids are there some behavioral issues going on? How do you deal with it? Does this kid have any pains? How is he doing in yeshiva? What is going on with his friends? Does he do this in yeshiva also? Do other boys in his his yeshiva do that? Oh, that could be. Okay. Okay. So I think your question might need a bit more of you know, a bit more information, more one-on-one. Mordechai. Thank you. Yeah. I know that you have a, you're looking in the deep, uh, but you know what? I think that is very, very, uh, I would say, common in teenagers. First of all, to look at fire is very beautiful. You know, the fire has yeah. the flames yeah, and everything. Yeah, he likes to look at it. And it's the question like this is: Are he using? I, I know dangerous stuff using something this is really you know if if it's in on the on the line of safety and just watching a put like this and trying oh is more than this this is something that uh Mordechai is looking you know to see uh what is what uh, more deep about it but i think it's a every kid i think that every boy i would say that a boy a boy games like to play with knives with with look uh, weapons guns this is very natural it's the nature of the Avilusha uh, Bashamayim created the man as hunter, and we have this in deep in our in our nature. You agree with me, no, no, the high? A thousand percent. But the the difference is, you see, what they buy. I just want to add on that it's natural for kids to want to do that. When when I feel when a when a mother would ask me this question, as you're asking, it's not that he did it once or that he does it twice. It's that he seems to be burning things. Like, they didn't ask you, what's he lighting up when you say playing with fire? 
Does he play with one of those lighters, you know, like the little sticks like that you just light it? Is he talking about matching? Are you talking about he actually burns pieces of paper? What's he doing when you say playing oh, with fire? Oh, he loves to burn paper. And does he do it in the house? Is it in a safe way or is it not? He does it outside, but our porch is made of wood. Bingo, sir. And listen, that's, that was my concern. Yeah, when a yes. mother is asking a question, what would you say, listen, if you hear now that a boy is playing with fire, burning paper... Yeah. On a porch made of wood, and the parents are telling him it's dangerous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is this is something that he has to, uh, I would say, to experience himself until he starts burning himself. But <laughs> yeah, so I would ask you further: What about with the yeshiva? Are there other issues in yeshiva where people try to explain him stuff, or the rebbeim, or teachers, or manalim, whoever it should be, and he's not getting it? I don't think so. I think he's doing good in Chedesh. Excellent. Great. So let me just tell people to call in the number. To call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. And that was the availability. So, again, the question that you're giving, we need more information. So generally a parent would have this discussion with a son or with a daughter, whoever it should be, set up some pretty strict rules, give them, if they'd like, maybe the healthy place where they could do it, like we'll make a little something in the back. Oh, like in the grass? Could... What? Like in the grass or something? Either in the grass, but it has with to be clear around? that only there. And fire is dangerous. I need to be very clear. Fire is very dangerous. Now, yeah, there have been uh, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm really enjoying your lesson. I take the um, stress relief that that uh, works. Thank you. Yes, stress to inner peace. I'm learning a lot, even from one lesson. The one lesson that I heard. Wow! Thank you. Thank you. And you have another five. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Thank thank you for calling up. Atzlacha. And the number to call in to ask Mrs. a question is 718-683-5858, Mrs. R. Mrs. R., you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Yeah. Yes. Um, first of all, thank you. I'm really enjoying your program. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share that you mentioned about the power of teachers. And yeah. I just experience that even though I went through the school system, I never opened up to a teacher, but the fact that I felt they were there for me and they cared, it it really felt supportive and it really, you know what I mean, it really kept me going and even in challenging times, even though I never opened up to them, but even the fact that they showed that they were always like there for me um, really made a difference. Excellent. So could you share, like, what did you feel different knowing that you have teachers that are around you? Because as you said it, I am a big, big, big believer in what you just said. I mean, that I say it all the time, but the way you just said it. And that is, and I'm also doing a teacher's training workshop right now, and I'm sharing to teachers, and we've had several stories, but sharing to teachers that they're called the second line of defense which means the first line, if there's a problem that parents deal with it, they can see it and make the changes. The second, right after that, are the teachers, because they're in there. They're in the schools. They're able to see what is happening. 
they're able to do an intervention. And in fact, I even have one of the pages that we're, that we're discussing is there are never six reasons that I find when a kid goes off the derech. For an example, there can be difficulties A, in the school, difficulties at home, an issue with self-esteem or other stuff going on. They might have a learning disability. They might have some diagnosable issue. They could have really, they had issue with friends. And I go through each of the issues that are going on, the main reasons that could have caused why a kid can go off. First, the first level, I believe, is that parents have the power to turn that around. But right after parents, the teachers, again, the teachers of Mechanchem have that power to do it. So the, having a teacher, a Mechanchem, a Rebbe that believes in you, a principal that believes in you, we see that over and over and over where there was kids who were having a difficult time and then a teacher just gave them a little extra care, gave them responsibility, showed them that they're important, and a Rebbe showed them that they're important, they can achieve. And once a person feels, wow, I can achieve, it can change the rest of their lives. So what you're adding on, which is even more important, is even if you've never opened up to the teacher, just knowing that the teacher cares, you feel safe in that ability, that is a major, a major yesaid. And just yeah, to I, tell you, there's an interesting Shiloh that, I don't remember which one of the Roshayim asked, but say, why is it that we see the others, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? You see by Moshe Rabbeinu, you see by David Amel, that they were shepherds. And those are the ones that the Rabbi Shalom chose that they should lead Kla Yisrael. And the Mepharshim just explained very simple. The Rabbi Shalom wants to see how are the leaders going to take care of the innocent sheep. Sheep don't have a form of protecting themselves. And in each of them, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and by Moshe Rabbeinu, and by David, there's always a story that there was one sheep that got lost, and there were the wolves that were going to take it. And instead of saving all the sheep, what they did was they went to save that one sheep to show every single sheep is important. And there are a bunch of them said, then that showed that they could now take care of Klyasol, that every single mm. person in Klyasol is important, no matter what the danger, not saying looking at everyone else. So recognizing that the safety that you feel by knowing that you have a teacher that will protect you, a Rebbe that will protect you, is something that is so powerful that would have a major effect. And that's just what you're saying. So thank you for saying, sharing that. Can you share just one idea or one concept that you had that the teacher did that you felt, oh, I feel safe with her? Um, several things. Let's say sharing um the teachers sharing their own experiences, their own, um, let's say, one of, I remember one of my teachers sharing the way she had, like, one of her gas and soda call. Uh-huh. And making, like, I felt so normal. Excellent. So she was able to break the stigma of being perfect, saying, look, I also have some difficulties, and then you were able to feel normal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, it's not always, even with words, it's a smile. It's, you know, Excellent. the little stuff Excellent. that yes. count. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Okay. So we are going to Mr. E. Mr. E, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. The number to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. Harv Nissen, what would you say to that call, what the, what, what the girl has just said, that having a teacher that just smiled, you know, was confident, had them participate, shared, that she also had some difficulties, that, she made, that it was normal to have some, some whatever is going on? 
this is the this is the, the way of uh, teacher to be you know just to show the people that uh, we are human and uh, as difficulty for each one that's it's all about be a, a good teacher and a good example i would say yeah thank you great mr e you're on with mordechai of nissen mr e hello hello uh, hello Mr. E. Okay, so we'll go to Miss S. Miss. And the number to call up, we've got now availability, so people can ask. 718-683-5858. Miss S. Yes. Yes, hi. You're on with Mordechai and Herb Nissen. Yeah, I was wondering if there is any issue or if it's okay for a three-year-old child to... Um, become Ooh, let's very just aggressive. stop here. We don't really take questions under the age of eight. So prob chances are you're going to ask me the question. I'm going to say it's age appropriate. And no, it's a bit, it's a bit of an interesting question. Go I ahead. mean, it's not the typical, I would say. Go ahead. Hello. Um, I was just wondering if it's okay for a child to become aggressive and not to handle um, high-pitched um, noise volume. Um, here's where I'll you tell you. Me? It can be very age-appropriate and speak to someone that's a specialist in this area. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't have any else, I mean, whatever like that. Is this your first child? It's my oldest child. She cannot handle high-tech yep, noises that's like exactly she's on the street. Why I say and to speak to someone, go to someone, yeah. And who would you, um, like, I mean, no, who can I, no, no, uh, we like, don't, who we, would... No, I don't do that over here. We don't, I don't make recommendations. Uh -huh. Which means, I yeah, I appreciate that, but find out who does a parenting expert. If you think there's an issue, then call it maybe relief, and they have a whole child department going on. But my recommendation is first you sign up to a parenting workshop or go to anyone that you think is a No, it's expert. not a parenting thing. If I pass this tree and she hears a high-pitched drilling noise, she's going to start, uh, she's going to shoot. I'm telling you it's age-appropriate, and you need a parenting workshop. All right. Thank you. We're going to go to Ms. E. Hey, Mordechai, just, e. just yeah. because I guess I get the avalanche of response about the boy with the fire. And they, okay. And go they ahead. Just, Let's hear some but, of those okay. stuff. Basically, they, they, some of them said that, we, we, uh, that I wasn't wrong, and he's uh, supposed to go to a therapist. Oh, and, why? Uh, Slowly, and, hold on. Uh, Everyone that's attacking, yes, chill out. Let's yeah. recognize. What this one said is exactly accurate. That <laughs> means he's making it age-appropriate. Boys like guns. That's the reality. Boys like laser tag. Boys like hitting. They're more aggressive. And boys like fire. That's the reality. We like fire, and boys will play more with that. And, in fact, when she was asking other boys, yes, I'm, I don't even want to start talking about different areas. There are different different communities, and I'm involved, not going into saying which one, but in a lot of the communities, it's almost where the yeshivas have to deal with between the ages of 14 and 16, where boys got lighters on them. Now, I'm not going to go into, like, which yeshivas or which kahilas, but I'm aware of that. So what this lady is asking is, is it age-appropriate? And therefore, I can't answer a question because of one area. So what her Nissen did is explaining, generally, yes, these things, you like to do. When you make a barbecue, you're going to have your 14, 15-year-old wanting to light it and play with it. That's normal, and that's how you teach them appropriate safety. So Arvindusen said is right. 
However, and that's where I just said, usually when people would ask us this question, it's usually more than just a boy wanting to make a barbecue. And as we just asked the question, this woman came forward and she said, yes, he's lighting a piece of paper on a wooden deck. That definitely raises alarm. So then you need it. But just understand what Ravnissen said is accurate. That's why I love working together with you, Ravnissen, because I always think in terms of therapy so deep. And his clarification of just normal thinking is a pleasure, and that's why I agreed with him. So I'm still defending your of this, and I'm no. thinking like a therapist, <laughs> and people are over here, and you're just thinking like a normal person with a normal father with normal kids. And yes, it's extremely normal for kids to like to play with fire. And that's where us adults come, and that's where Chenoch comes in. And the other suggestion was to call the fire department and to try to explain it. You know, I want to tell you something. As a feeling, as, as a Bahu, between like this, I remember myself between, let's say, the 13 to 20 Plus, up till today, up to 60, and we always thinking that we can control this issue. You know, we just look, make a fun, you know, doing the fire, and we can control it. Don't worry, Ima, I will take care of this fire. And most, most likely, these boys can do it, you know, and he knows that these papers of paper cannot burn the deck and stuff. Like that. But as a parent, I would be providing some kind of metal piece. You know what? Let's make a kumzitz to the keder. Let's put some kartoffelach, some potato exactly. inside. Exactly. Let's put it together and see, sit, sit in the bonfire at night and look at the, the flame and the inside this. It's gorgeous, you know? You make a bond between you and your son and you can create a beautiful moment. Exactly. Very true. Someone just sent me a message. I like the chilling out answer. Five-year-old boys talk about guns all day. Juggling fire is also <laughs> healthy. Exactly. Teach this kid. That's a great idea. I like that someone just sent. To this mother, if you're listening, try to see if you can get lessons. They have some from people that know how to juggle the fires. You know, when you hold those sticks with fire, teach appropriate and healthy ways to play with fire. They'll get a little burned sometimes. They touch it, it's hot. They'll learn to get the feel of the fear of fire. There's appropriate and healthy stuff that you can do with fire. I agree with her on this. And me, here, we're, we're on the same page. We're on the same page most of the time, but on this one, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll go, go to uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, let's see. Oh, we had Mr. E. We lost him yeah, again? I, no, what he is because he, he lost. Okay. You want to put Mr. E? No, he was okay. just on. We just okay, he would wait. Again. Hello? Mr. Mrs. Mr. E, are you on? Mrs. R. R. Okay. Hello. Oh, I mean, oh Mrs. S. S. Who do we have on? Hello. Yes. Hi, I want to ask a question. I have a student that she's a real perfectionist. Like, to an extreme, like, she don't want to work. She don't want to do roughly, any work in the beginning of the year. We want to keep it and, um, How old? Do you hear me? Yes, roughly how old is this? Is this? About um, 10, 11. 10, 11. Okay, so she's a perfectionist. Uh, like, yeah, and then, like, when I got very strict with her, that, like, there's Wait, no how do you get strict with it. her? What does that mean, strict with her? So explain to me. She's a perfectionist, and you get her strict to be even more perfectionist? Because you don't want her to do her work, because she was so scared that she's going to get something wrong. Yeah. And she didn't want to do her work. Right. So I got very strict, that, like, you have to do your work. If not, there was a consequence. So I literally saw, like, her hands were literally shaking when she like had to do that work and she was like either like do a very very messy to show that she didn't really try so then if she gets anything wrong then like you know it's, it's not her it's because she didn't try yeah or she would like work so hard and, and like 
be so, so, like, frustrated and scared that she's going to get something wrong. And I, well, I don't know, like, what question. should I do about what's it? Even though I assure her that like, I don't, you you don't have to get it right. It's not the most important thing. So let I me ask you a question. Try, hello? Hello? Do you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So let me ask you a question now. What training? Have you taken any workshops how to deal with anyone that has got stress, any student? Have you taken any training at all? No. Okay. Do you know any of your friends that took teachers, that are teachers, how many of them got a training how to deal with any emotional difficulties? I've, got, I've gotten a lot of workshops in general and on, on all kinds of topics, but I can't, I can't think of specifically on stress or... Okay. No. Yeah. So uh, it's Harvard, time to join. It's time. not that I'm even going to promote. I'm not even going to promote. It's time to join the my workshop. I'm not going to do that. I'm not here to promote my workshop. I'm just here to promote the importance for teachers, for Rebbeim, and for principals. So I'm just going to say this as follows. I've just started teaching a workshop for teachers for Rebbeim on class management, how to build the emotional health, and as well as understanding the basics of diagnosis, not how to diagnose, but to recognize what they are and what are the ways of dealing with it. The reason why I have done it is because I feel teachers are lacking expertise, I should say expertise, knowledge, basic knowledge in this field. And like you said, you are pushing her to do it. It's very nice that you forced her to do it, but we need to teach her how. It's like forcing someone that's got a broken leg to do something. There are systems and ways. And a large part of that is what I am doing. We've had several schools reach out. We've had actually one place that signed up 15 of their teachers. But there was a lot of people calling, requesting, and not even following up that much. So my point is, this is a large part of what I am trying to create. So I appreciate you bringing up the question. Now, we're just going to try things differently. Part of the workshop that we're teaching is, and I want her, I'm listening to get involved, what to do with, with this, but part of what we're teaching is when you see a student, you need to realize it's not just a student that you see what she is in the room. It's what is she, what's going on in the family? Is the family a perfectionist? Find out about the older sisters, the younger sisters, what's going on. Find out about is she trying to be perfect to get friends? Is she worried she'll lose friends if she doesn't no, do she's a king in the No, she's a queen in the class. Right. Now, what happens if she won't do well? She's going to lose that authority. I'm so we start to. She's not going to lose it because, like, she has it already for a few years. She's not afraid of that. She's How do you know? By the way, you just made a sentence. You just made a statement. How do you know that? In therapy, we, we like will that. not make that assumption. I don't mean to hurt you. I just want to start teaching you how therapists think. Therapists think mm-hmm. we, know, we have no understanding why a person does something until we ask. Even though we think something is so clear a certain way, until we don't ask, we will never know. Rule number one is we ask. So just because someone is the queen of the class does not mean that they are confident in their position. And perfectionists are one of the ways that they keep their queen of the class. Because everyone knows them, some people will make comments. So some people look at her thing, or can I have your notes, or can I see your notes? And you write so messy, so the greater you are, more public, the more negative comments and positive comments you will get. So just to create the awareness, it is very possible that her being the queen of the class is part of the reason why she has to be such a perfectionist. That's just one thing. Another thing is she might have anxiety. She might have other fears or other stuff going on that we're not even aware of. 
So let's recognize that one of the steps that you do is when you see someone's a perfectionist, instead of pushing them, and that's a large part of the focus in the teacher's workshop, is speak to them one-on-one for two minutes. Not much. Just two minutes. What's going on? I see it's hard for you. Then we start teaching how to do more of the exposure. How can I help you? So if I help you every day or every other day, just making a little bit more mistakes and being comfortable, and like we had that girl that called up earlier stating that just by having her teacher share how she has Michigasin, everyone felt safe to have Michigasin, that made a major change. So what I want you to realize is 10, 11-year-olds can, yes, yes, they can have anxiety. I don't want to say she has anxiety. I'm calling it perfectionist. But to be aware, if it's not taught how to break out of perfectionist, all you did was, or you, all you can do, not saying that that's what you did, is but when we force people to do things, we only force their behavior but not their inside, which later on it explodes to even harder and even more. Ravnison, what do you say to this? To this? Yeah, I think that you, say, you said it all because, you know, I know I know a lot of, first of all, to check the background, you know, many times we don't see the parents behind the kids. And unfortunately, a lot of parents are really, really pushing and create a lot of anxiety to the kids, and they must do it, you know. And they must going to be the queen of the class, the the the, the kings of the, the the school, and all these kind of uh, things that just to be. I'm in touch with the parents, and and she told me that, like, um, that she she knows her son, her daughter is a perfectionist, and and that, um, like, she always tells that she always tells her that. Like, it's okay, she doesn't have to be perfect, and I should also keep on encouraging it, but... Okay, I said, it's, it's a question like this, if the, the fathers think like this, or just, you know, it's only one from, you know, just to give you feeling that good. But anyway, anyway, I think that uh, it's very important, it's uh, very important that, uh, as, as uh, Mordechai said before about the girl, the call about the teacher, that say, you know, sometimes we are doing, uh, even in purpose, some kind of mistakes, we oop. I'm sorry, I did mistake, you know, and on the blackboard, you know, doing a, 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 in in purpose, you know, just to give the the feeling, on, on the, not to come and you know the girl go up or boy go up to the blackboard and doing mistakes and all his world is disappear, you know, and just to become like white and all this stuff, and he can lose the the uh, is is uh, confidence. From the other end, you know, the people coming to you and show how perfect they are, yes, you have to say, you know, it's perfect. It's, it's not, the world is not perfect. And I love to, to, look, to, to take the example and take a mirror and look at your face and you see what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you. Right side is never equal to the left side. Even you just OCD perfect. Your side, right side and left side is not exactly the same. And this is the creation of the creator, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so again, when a girl's got perfectionist, it's not anxiety. We don't want to call it anxiety. It's a way of thinking. That's the entire workshop of stress to inner peace. It's, uh, it's identifying how stress, we all have stress, but we learn the tools how to, how to deal with stress that we're calm and that we're easy on the inside. If not, unfortunately, perfectionist stress then does develop into anxiety. And anxiety is the few diagnoses that you can have in children. Most diagnoses, you've got to be a certain age to have. Anxiety, you can, have a, you can, yes, have at a younger age. And therefore, it's important for us to learn the tools 
whichever workshops it should be, whoever it should be, mm-hmm. learn the tools how to get it feeling better, how to make it, how you can deal with the issues when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Is there anything I could tell her, like to show her that I don't expect perfection or that's for well, saying it? Well, right? again, you want to hear all the tools. I can only give you the short version. The short version is sit with her five minutes every single day for the next two weeks and just five minutes, not more, and just show her some mm-hmm. of the mistakes that you made. Explain to her that it's okay to make a mistake each day. Just five minutes, not more. And you probably will and ask her to please make a mistake even more publicly eventually and, and highlight different people. If you'd like, you can speak to a teacher or to a principal. And you can ask them, can you share me a story of one of the Gedolim where they made mistakes and how much they learned from their mistakes over and over? Share the different mm-hmm. stories. And the more she gets it, the more it will change. But before we tell her, we first ask her. So the therapy, the first rule in therapy is before we talk, before we give advice, we first ask. We ask her, what's the reason to be so perfect? What do you feel if you make a mistake? And if she says one or two things, you're asking to get them all. Like, what else? Oh, so maybe friends won't like you. Maybe you'll be upset at yourself. Maybe you have a sister that does even better work than you. Maybe when you study, you're afraid you won't be able to get the highest mark because you've got to be the best if your notes aren't that neat. Maybe someone might make a comment. Who knows what? Ask. Maybe you knew your mother was the best, and you feel you have to be the same way. Let's hear what's going on. Maybe you have a parent that's actually demanding you to do it perfect, and when they read your notes, they'll point out every mistake that you made. We've got to find out what. Before you give advice, you first have to ask and to understand why. Yep. Thank you for calling up. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Herb Nissen, who do we have next? We go to Mr. E. Mr. E, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi, Mordechai. Ah, Shalom Aleichem. Thank you very much for your show. Um, I would like to ask you a question. Um, how do you encourage, or what would actually be the right approach for a 12-year-old boy that lacks enthusiasm to go to school on Shabbos? Okay, before we go with the approach, first let's ask a question. Why does he lack enthusiasm to go to shul? Um, He likes sleeping. Okay. Late into the morning. Okay. Um, He has no problem. Sorry? This is just on Shabbos? Um, Pretty much. Pretty much on Shabbos, sometimes when he has or Sometimes he does like going to shul. Um, Mincha Mariv usually he doesn't like going because he's busy playing with other boys. When he does go to shul, he gets pretty enthusiastic. Um, he usually doesn't have problems with either strike, you know. He's not like one of those boys that are, um, you know, at risk at all. But he just, you know, likes sleeping in or, you know, he just lacks enthusiasm to go to shul. But, you know, he's getting bigger already and he's going to be vomit, but I kind of getting a little serious. Rav Nissen, I got my opinions. Let's first hear, what do you say to this? So here the question is, what do you do when you've got a 12-year-old boy that simply, you know, doesn't, does he's lacking the enthusiasm to go to Minyan, Mincha, Meirev, Shachras, when he's home. In Yeshiva, when he's there, he doesn't mind davening, but lacking that enthusiasm. I, what, <laughs> what do you recommend? First of all, it's age-appropriate. Exactly, good. Uh, I would say, I know, I know I've been 17 and 18 and 20, and especially when it's come Shabbat, and we all, we all come Shabbat. It doesn't matter what time Shabbat's starting. Then what, 
we coming to the to the kiddush to the to the you know sitting in shulchan shabbat our eyes closing with all you know somehow the yeah, cycle of I the yeah i find that so interesting why is it that when shabbos is 4:35 and really finding it that i'm that exhausted that tired yeah yeah this is amazing our our belgian clock and somehow is connected to the shabbat as as a source of relaxation and source of energy that basically we all observe it and i'm telling you are we all burdening and i see i see many shuls that in shabbat morning it started with barely minyan and later it's coming and get, get up we, as even the adults it's not easy i would say that one thing is very important and i we trying to do it out in our shul for the kids participate the kids together in the tefillah in the in the process of the tefillah something that you can create enthusiastic i tell you by us the sfardim and by especially by our shul uh we give the kids to read the pirke of zimra you know all the, yeah. the all the tilim each kid reads his, his own perik and they become like compete with them with this besides this by the reading of the torah we did an, an a beautiful in my opinion a beautiful uh a that we gave the pointer to a kid the bal kore is reading and the kids follow the bal kore with the pointer and the the, the guy that going to the, the sefer torah is basically follow the pointer with the kid and every aliyah it's a different kid so they will rot- rotate the kids and the kids love it and beside it the power of the torah the power of the w- letters of the torah is giving the kids so much power and you see really the kids sitting quiet in the shul and waiting to their term to go over and using the pointer and this is something so that you what Rav Nissen is saying is get the kids involved in in their shuls by him he are able to be a lot more creative which is great in the more Ashkenazic shuls, I would say it's a little bit less creative, or I should say less creative, less uh, more formal, where we can't do certain certain stuff. So let's go ahead and let's come up with more ideas. So number one, idea number one is get the kids involved. So let me ask you, what can you do to create an interest in your son? So exactly what Rav Nissen said is let's realize, children, it's age-appropriate for them not to want to do things of responsibility, especially if it takes waking up early when they're tired. Now, what are you going to do to motivate it? That's, again, this is a lot more of the parenting workshops where it's how do you deal with 12-year-olds that don't want to do things? How do, you, how do you deal with this son when he doesn't want to do homework? What do you do then? Um, well, I usually give him, um, honestly, if he does homework with me every day of the week, then we go out to eat once a week for okay. breakfast. Okay. That's beautiful. That happens to be very good. And I, I don't want to knock it. All I want to create is a drop the awareness that there's got to be a certain level in the parenting workshop where not everything goes with a reward, which is... No, that's like, it's, it's a learning thing. We learn a half an hour, so that's like hard for him. Okay, so that's excellent. Right. But the it's, same it's not like, you know, a, a little math sheet that we do and then you get the reward. It's like learning for half an hour every day. So, you know, and it's also quality time. It's not so much the reward. He asked me if I could spend that time with him, so... That's beautiful. That is beautiful. So now, the same would be with your 12-year-old son, which is a large part of the parenting workshop that we focus on, is to be able to create the awareness that we've got to do jobs. 
We all have honestly, I don't want to, honestly, I don't want to give him a reward for going to school on time this morning. <laughs> that's right. There is no. That's not supposed to be a reward. The reward's supposed to be you're doing your job, I'm doing my job, and we start teaching responsibility. It's simple common sense to be able to say, this is what we do. I'll wake you up. We'll wait till you come. That's what we do, and you have it in the mornings. It's normal. And you'll so, say, to come on, wake up, wake up, but I'm so tired. I know you're tired. So am I. I'll get dressed. I'll come back in two minutes. Right, so my wife, my wife tells me that you're the leader, and you wake him up a couple of times, and then you go to shoot. You don't stand there and wake him for 20 minutes. Again, you see, it's true that you don't wait, and it's also true that you do wait. And the truth is that you need the balance. It's not a yes or a no question. It's a how-to. That's my issue. Now, this, this, these programs are awareness programs. When I do the parenting workshop, like, no, we're doing the stress to inner peace. So I got a wonderful um, I'm waiting really for that parenting workshop. <laughs> what? No, the parenting workshop is only done once a year. It's, it's only I know. I said I'm waiting for it. Ah, thanks. But I just want to create the awareness. So let's say I'm doing now this workshop, the stress to inner peace. So someone sent, I send out, it's 30 slides each workshop, roughly between 28 and 33 slides. Well, when they got the first slide, the first workbook, they assumed that that's for all six workshops. No, each workshop you get that amount, which means it's a skills base. There are going to be times that you're going to say you've got to do it, and you're going to leave at times, not at the beginning. At times, you're going to teach your kid, I expect you to get up. You're 12 years old. You've got to do certain tasks, even if it's hard. And then there are going to be the, the, the Shabbos when you realize, no, let him sleep later, and he could go then to a later minion. That's just being normal and, and just human, allowing kids to be kids, adults to be adults, and we will have a hard time. But we need to be able to set up that minion, we go. That's what's happening. You're going to be bar mitzvah, get to minion. And it is possible to do. And are there times that if he doesn't go, then we just, you know, swallow it? Inappropriate. I don't want to be too blunt on air, but have you ever missed minion? You know what I mean? It's, we need to deal with it. Not that it should happen. Not that's allowed to happen, but that's how you teach kids a highest and responsibility. It's not a yes or no or when. If he misses, what should you do that you need to ask a rav? I'm not going into the halacha aspect. I'm going on the concept of, as parents, we need to be able to, we need to be able to get our kids to do what they have to do. And when people need to do what they have to do, they can miss. Part of being real is that, Will you miss that you'll go to a later minion? Will you miss that you'll go to a very late minion? Will they miss completely and not go to a minion? Then what are you going to do? They are different levels, different times, different children. I don't know what level everyone is on. So we're not giving a blanket yes, no. What we're saying is you need to get the skills to be confident in being a parent, to say, yes, you must do this. Yes, and us, the parents, need to be the leader. At times, being the leader means you will wake up and you will not leave until he leaves. And then you will discuss with him all week how, when it comes Shabbos, he will get up earlier. You're not, you're not going to come late because he's late. You might go to sleep earlier. You might, whatever the options are out there. But, again, this is skills-based. It's one week based on the second week information, the third week. And there are times you will let go. Yes, that is true. There are times you will make the decision that let him go to a later minion, or I'll go earlier, or I'll go with him with a later minion. We had someone that once shared a question a couple of months ago, or maybe even a year ago, over this time. I remember when the person called up and he said, he davens Vesikin, and his son doesn't get up for Vesikin, so but he wants to daven with his son. What should he do? And one of the ideas that Rav Nissen said was, you daven Vesikin, or maybe the person said that's what he, that's what he was doing. Once there were some other ideas, that he davens Vesikin, Shachras, Kriya Satira, then he goes home, wakes up his son, 
goes with his son to shul. See, he davens next to his son. When they're, they're learning Shachros and Kriyos he's learning right next to his son. And then they, they daven Musaf together. There are lots of ideas and creativity, how you can do yours, but you need to be confident to be the father. And that your son will go to Minyan. And again, you also have appropriateness when let go a little. He's not feeling that well. If let go means not to go to Minyan, if let go means going to a later Minyan, if let go means he'll come later, all this you got to work out with your of someone that knows more one-on-one of the details. Okay, thank you very much. I, I what think, do you I hear? Think... Let me ask you, what, what are you getting from this response? Basically, what I'm getting from this response is that me as a father, I have to take responsibility of making sure I get the proper tools in making sure that he has to somehow get to a minion with me being very flexible in my own terms of how I'm going to get to that minion. Yep. Yes. Meaning, whatever it takes for me to get into that minion, I have to make sure that's my job. I have to get into that minion, not by forcing him, but by me doing anything that it takes, every way possible, to make it that he should be able to get them that minion. Yes, and without giving him not by forcing him. I want to change those words because force sounds very controlling. I know that, but I want you to hear: a father and a mother need to be assertive. You're so worried about being his friend and you're giving him incentives. I want you to be aware, and it's going to sound very not social worky, but those that are taking the teacher's workshop and hearing it, those that took the parenting workshops, there is a time we need to connect and our child needs to connect. There's also a time we've got to be able to be assertive. You're going to do this. It's not forcing. It's this is your job. You've got to do it. That's holding someone accountable. And that's not forcing. Holding someone accountable, we, do, we spend an entire 20 minutes describing the difference between dictatorship and leadership. It's based on a grog. The, the grog explains what's the difference between a melech and a meishel. A melech is a king. He has a police force. He's got a military. You say something against the king, someone's a married by malchus. They are killed. The death, it's a death penalty. And on the other hand, a, and a meishel, which is a dictator, also has a king. And also, I'm sorry, also has a military and also has a police force. And one is loved and one is hated. So we're getting a couple of messages here. I'm just going to read two that we got, three that we got, and I want to hear of Nissan. So one of them is that I got to me is to the father whose son lacks enthusiasm. We did with our son that he loves to help prepare for Shalashudas and pack away the sparum. So it's the deal. He davens well with Cheshik, and then he can help out in Shul. And he's 10 years old. This is one message. Here, let's go read over you now the messages Rav Nissen just sent. I think try to encourage him. Another one. Maybe he can put his son on a contest in Torah times as an incentive. In my Ashkenazi shul, the kids get tickets for sitting through the entire davening. Moshe Shabbos, they get prizes for the tickets. Excellent. Rav Nissen, what do you say? Because I, I feel the father is wonderful that we're speaking to with incentives and loving the kids. But I also believe, which is not so social worky, but which I believe is very true, is that we need to be able to be assertive too and think this has to happen. I tell you this, I think that uh, in the, the word encouraging is very important and try not to create any uh, negative uh, situation. And then the kids starting feeling that the shul is become a burden. And I try to tell you, I try to, to put my kids in, in, in a perspective that basically what 
first of all, is the it, it's it's a twelve inches, a little years, a little bit older, but from the young age, I I try to tell the kids, wow, you know, uh, Angel was waiting for you to listen to you pray. It's a beautiful something that really really amazing to see that yeah, uh, I I saw the angel around you uh, around you through the the praying. And they get very, very enthusiastic, you know, and see that you see that they become very sincere about that fila they're praying. And uh, I know, I know that it's it's working, and it's working very much. And in the older age, it's not so work, but to give them a good word, you know, uh, and even you know, you're boiling inside, and they come late, and all all this stuff. Just give you know, oh, I was I was happy to see you in the shul. And this is uh, not more than this. And you can see that the next time it will be tried to be uh, uh, earlier. That's what uh, my opinion. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. So basically, Mordechai, you're saying that by hook or by crook, he must be going to show. And you've got to learn how to do it. Yes, and again, with the balance. It means if for whatever news of Simchan, he got up very late and went to sleep very late, then you Obviously. might come in the middle of davening, leave two minutes, get him, so he'll come later. He's 12 years old. We want to teach him the old mitzvahs, but also we don't want it to be too much. That It'll break him. Balance, balance. Okay, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. Kultav. Kultav and have a wonderful evening. Arav Nissen, who do we have next? Hello? Miss S. Miss S. And for those that would like to call, the number is 718-683-5858-683-5858. Miss S., you're on the air with Mordechai and Harv Nissen. Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, there were two sisters on the line. Okay. First, I want to thank you for your beautiful program. We really benefit from it. You're welcome. Thank you. So we both share the same problem. We have a difficulty talking in public when it's official, like we have when we have to give a lesson in front of our class when we have to dive another mic in school. We get frustrated like two weeks before. We're very frustrated. We're going to have to talk. And while we talk, we sometimes forget what we wanted to say, and we blush. Is there anything we could do that would help us? Wow, that's a wonderful question. Before we go to the answer, I first want you to realize this is the most normal question out there means public speaking, the fear of speaking publicly, is I think from the top three stresses in the entire United States. So first, do you see you're in good company? Do you realize that a lot of people have it? Yes. So now once you realize, here, I'm just doing a quick search, and the top fears in the United States, number one is fear of public speaking. What would that? What do you say about that? How can, what can we do to make it easier? Okay, great. So now that you understand that number one is public speaking, number two is fear of heights, number three is of bugs, snakes, and animals. And along those lines are then a fear of drowning, needles, blood, and things like that. So can you realize that first something is normal? So when someone has to speak publicly and your heart beats, it's normal. Then the next steps, what's happening is that you need practice. So one of the things that we do is 
you have, let's say, it used to be before I would speak, I would go to that place and just stand at the podium, see what it's like. Another point that you do is you practice your speech out loud six or seven times like you would be doing it in front of everyone. The you next do it, step is, but it doesn't really help because I forget, because I'm so nervous, when I speak I forget what I wanted to say. Exactly. And that's why, let's go to the next level, what people do is, and I've recently um, watched, they had in the Senate, where one of the dignitaries, and they had a stack of like 150 papers. That means that instead of having like a speech, when people have written small words, the secret that they learn, that the dignitaries, those that speak publicly in front of big crowds, is that you know that all of a sudden, when you need to look at the words, if it's small, you can't find it. So they do lots of pages and big words, and they're turning lots of pages. That means that it's normal when you're going to speak to forget it. I remember I spoke... It was the first time I spoke in front of 2,000 people live, and I had this great speech prepared, and I had the notes in my pocket, and I was sure I don't need it. And as I'm ready to get up, my mind went completely blank of the whole speech. But because of the rules, I had right away the paper, I pulled it out. All I had to look was at the first word, and everything came flowing back. Because A, I said it many times. B, I had the papers in front of me. And see, I had experience of doing public speaking. So when you do things over and over, then it starts kicking in all the other information. So recognize, you want to have a paper with big letters, what you're going to say in front of you. It's normal to forget something. Even if you're a professional speaker, you can forget a point. That's why you have it. Number two, you're going to practice it way in advance. You'll be saying it out loud six or seven times. Number three, the first couple of times that you're going to speak publicly, you won't do that well. That is a fact in public speaking. That's why the younger you start the public speaking, the easier it is. And once you do it ten times, you'll see how easy it goes. Do these make sense so far? Yeah. Now, Rav Nisna, what would you like to say about this? You know, this is the really, you know, I remember myself uh, the first time coming in front of the microphone or talking, I was uh, stuttering and uh, all the things running away from my head. It's really practice and practice and practice again and uh, try to focus on, a, on a, you know, especially when you sit in front of people, try to focus on a point and uh, create yourself a, uh, you know, isolated somehow, but it's not in the beginning. It's not, it's a little. It sounds difficult, but uh, it's it will be uh, coming and practice uh, uh, almost uh, after one two times, and it's, this that will be flow. And it seems like you girls, uh, as it, and uh, and the minute that you call to the radio and speak in front of uh, hundred thousand of people right now, that's it. It's, uh, I was you for you that. got it. I was gonna tell you guys. You said you're afraid and you don't think you can do it. You're doing it right now. And both of you are confident and clear. I know exactly what you're saying. You didn't break up. You didn't stammer. You didn't fall. You're clear. That very clear. That's when I see all the people in front of me, like everyone. That's looks. right. That's right. And that's the next level. So do you know how many people wish to call up? I've got people asking me questions even now, this evening. As we're doing this program, I got several people saying, I'm embarrassed to call up, but can you address this question? And the answer is that we really are looking for a program where 
we can get the voices asking this way. People have a more connection, and they can grow from that. So while you don't have the fear that much because you don't see the people, recognize that so many people do. So realize how ahead of the game you are. Now the part of the practice is getting in front of people and just doing it. Know the first time you're going to be afraid. If you know the first five times you're going to be afraid, but the sixth time it will get easier and the seventh time completely easy, realize whoever's a public speaker has spoken at least six times. Everyone was afraid the, six, the first six times. So if you, want to, if you see a girl a couple of grades older than you and she speaks so easily, know that she has probably spoken either at a play or at a family simcha or at a Shabbos, wherever it should be that she's been speaking or he's been speaking, and therefore they were able to do it easier and easier. But it's people that I know. It's not like people I don't know and I'm talking in front of a crowd. What's My the difference? Class. To clarify the difference, what's the difference if you know who they are or if you don't know? The point that we want to illustrate is when you're in front of a big crowd, this is the new. Okay, this thank is you. New. Thank you so much. Big crowd, we get afraid. No matter what, no matter where, that is the power until you get used to it. So realize the number one fear in America, number one is fear of public speaking. So you're in good company. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, certainly. Yes, you're welcome. And the number to call in is 718-683. Oh, we got two minutes to go. I okay. didn't realize the timing. So we'll go to, you know what, let's go to uh, Miss, Mrs. R, okay? Mrs. R. Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello, Mrs. R? Hello? Yes. Yes, that hello. Yes. Yes, um, it's you. Hello? Yes. Um, I listen to your phone line daily or even more. Oh, thank you. I sometimes feel like it's my support group. Thank and you. I appreciate that comment, me. by the way. So many people are sharing it with me, that this concept that they find a support group when they other people's questions, it gives them chizik. When other people ask questions, it gives them chizik. Yes. And yes, that is and what a support group is, to hear other people that go through similar feelings, similar difficulties, stressors, and to see you're not alone. And some tools and, and tricks that help them might be able to help you. And it's confidential. So. Yes. Thank you. Um, my question goes like this. I am a young mother. I'm, in my, I'm 21 years old. Um, okay. And I am also a preschool teacher for the first time. Um, Wonderful. I know I'm doing quite a good job at my work, but I feel that um, there's a lot involved in being a preschool teacher, sometimes similar to being a mother. And when I didn't grow up in a house, provided these pills that I didn't learn. So yep. I'm wondering if there is a way to get those skills that I'm missing because I would like to do an even better job. Great. Now let me shift the question right back to you. You've become a teacher. You're newly, let's say, married or, can I know, or you're a newly mother. So I would ask you, what do you think people do to get updated in information? How to be a better teacher, how to be a better mother, how to be a better wife. What do you think people do? They ask and they observe and they learn. That's right. So for an example, ask. 
taking workshops. That's why I'm busy promoting workshops all the time, and not just mine, any workshop. Is there Social any workers, every two years teacher? to get relicensed, we need to take workshops. We have to take X amount of CEUs, means continuing education units. Doctors need that. Lawyers need it. That's, what, that's how it goes. So you're going to be a teacher, and you have no experience being a teacher. You're going to be a mother. You might have some experience, or you might have some negative experience. And you want to learn the better experiences. Take workshops. Sign up now. So you want to improve your marriage. Maybe you are, haven't seen what a good marriage is. Teaching there are many workshops. marriage workshops out there. Sign up to a workshop. Tell, go hmm? one-on-one to someone Sorry? that does that. What did you say? I didn't hear. Workshops. Sign up to workshops. Go one-on-one. You want to learn. Your, let's say you, were, you weren't taught how to be a teacher. No one teaches you how to be a teacher. So that's why you do internship. You take classes. They have for yeshivas. They have the yeshivas. Torah Masora is very into getting education. Learn how to be a teacher. You're becoming a mother. You might have been raised in a place where your mother was not able to give you all the correct information or the best information. Take parenting workshops. Speak one-on-one to an aunt, a cousin that might be more. Get educated. That's education. You want to improve your marriage? Take marriage workshops. Take workshops. I'm promoting workshops. Take it. Is Does that answer your question? Workshop? Say that again. There is such a thing as a marriage workshop? Lots of marriage workshops. I do a marriage workshop. There's a lot out there, yes. People give marriage workshops. You speak to a chasna or a kala teacher, and now you go to an FT married one-on-one. Can I please speak to you? These are some of the bumps. That's what, well, some of the difficulties. Or educate me, help me. Sure. They will know. Speak to those that know. Recently, I had someone ask me a question. I said, I don't know, but contact the Rav, because Rabbanim will know who can help out in such an area, because it's a, whatever the Shiloh was, it was a Rabbanish Shiloh. But the point is mm-hmm. that people in the field will know. Yes, you want to know a marriage workshop that you can take? Speak to the Machansam, the Chassan Rebbe's, Kala teachers, those that we speak to, just they'll give you information. Yes, 100%. You want to be a good teacher? There's a lot involved. Speak to, the, speak to the schools. Ask, who's got a, who's got a teacher's workshop? Mm-hmm. Education, education, education. The more we know, the more successful we can be. Nissan, what do you say about this? Yes, uh, I would say that uh, we repeat it uh, numerous times. I would say every show, almost every show. We don't go to university to learn how to be a father or, or, or mother. We don't learn to be out to, at the university to be a... Uh, husband and wife and this is very important this is that we have in the community a lot of workshop about uh or how to handle uh you know this uh, couple how to handle the kids and it's very important to learn it's it's amazing that every every day we learn and you have also a lot of books that that you can learn but uh, if you listen to jayroot radio you know from uh, rabbi griper to rabbi uh, Mordechai Weinberg to Rabbi Greenfield and uh, Dr. Simcha Cohen, and all, 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 all it's about how to learn how to be uh, aware about what we're doing here and how to, uh, to cooperate with our spouse, our children, and our community. Yep. Thank you for calling up okay. with that wonderful question. I feel also that... Um I was given the position right away to be a teacher when I didn't even do any preschooling before. And other people get first 
being an assistant, and then they become a teacher. So I was very scared in the beginning. Um, I still am scared. I still don't know why she took me. Uh, it seems like that you have the skill, and she probably trusts you, and uh, take it as a compliment. And I believe that from the, the question that you ask, you really want to learn, and you are a good teacher, and a good mother, and a good wife. Thank you. Yep, take it as a compliment, but still get educated. Just because they believe in you doesn't mean you should stay with the information without being educated. Get educated. Okay, thank you. Sure, you're welcome. Thank you, Rav Nissen, and thank you all the callers for calling up. We appreciate it, and Merit Hashem, have a wonderful day, wonderful evening.